This is an MVP podcast, My Village Productions. Welcome to Unsolved America, a show where we explore unsolved mysteries throughout the United States. I'm your host, Tiffany. And I'm your host, Andy, and each week we will throw a dart at the map and wherever it lands is the location of our mystery. This week, I chose Mississippi. M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. So do you know what's really funny? Every single time that I had to spell it out when I was writing this script, Mm -hmm. I said that in my head. M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. Because I always, always, if I don't do it, I always forget a letter. I don't know why. Because it's so repetitive. Right. It's a lot of P's, S's, and I's. Too much. I don't know. It's it's a dumb name. I think we should change the name of Mississippi. So this week we're going to talk about um, Jacqueline Levitz. Levitz. Yes. So on November 18th, 1995, Jacqueline Levitz went shopping for wallpaper at a local store in Vicksburg, Mississippi. When she left the store, that is the last time anyone will have ever seen or heard from her. After shopping. After shopping for some nice wallpaper. Right. Like We're remodeling our home. We're giving it a fresh look. Just bright futures. Like, I don't know about you, but like when I'm doing like a home improvement project, yeah. I'm so happy. <laughs> I am. Because it's like, I don't know, you're like taking something old and you're like shining it. You're shining it and you're like giving it new personality and you're making it yours. It's fun. I like the end product. I don't like actually doing it. Fair. It is a lot of work. Yeah. This room that we are sitting in. Yeah. Hours <laughs> upon hours of work. Not really done by you, though. I'm just kidding. It was all done by me. What are you talking I I installed this floor. <laughs> I did this wall. Kyle did the ceiling. <laughs> I am kidding. Um, yeah, I, start, I literally started the floor on a whim, like on a Saturday night at like 10 p.m. <laughs> and I was like, it shouldn't take too long famous last words oh no because it's like the kind that you just slide like this the wood that you just slide together yeah so i just i was thinking it's like a puzzle right you just slide them together and you move on along it's a lot more complicated than that i can only assume and then flash forward to like the next day we woke up went to bed around like five o'clock in the morning went to bed woke up at 10 started working on it all over again oh my gosh until four or five o'clock in the morning and then we had to do that for three days to finish this room for this space yeah for the floor so we didn't have a proper saw oh so that's what it'll get you yeah so we had like just like a little jigsaw and it was not it was not the proper tool to be doing this we should have had like a bench saw or something yeah because i mean once you saw it you're gonna have to sand it down to Mm -hmm. be smooth yeah it was a lot. Anyway, I digress. Wallpaper. We're buying it. It's 1995. Okay. Picture it. Vicksburg, Mississippi. Okay. Sophia. Sophia. Jacqueline had actually been married three times in total. Just some background information on Jacqueline. I mean, three times? How old was she? Uh-huh. I actually don't have her age. That's really funny. I think she's in her 60s. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's okay, then. That's actually... I just realized I don't know how old she is. I literally never looked up her age. I was just like, this is a cool story. Let's just roll with it. That's funny. 
<laughs> never cared to follow. Never, never didn't apparently care to follow. I want to say 65. 65 feels right. What was her last name? Levitz. L-E-V-I-T-Z. Age 62. Bitch, I was so close. You were pretty close. But actually, while you have this up, so click on images so you can like see what she looks like. She was actually like kind of like a diva. Like she was slaying these looks. Ooh, like she looked like a dolly, like a dolly. Right. She like the bleach blonde hair. Yeah. Like cute, like opulent. Like if I see if I some of these pictures, like I see her and I'm like, oh, this is like 80s opulence. Yeah. Well, and the mate, like she has full face, yeah. like red lipstick. Yeah. Very well put together. Yes. So Miss Jacqueline had been married three times in total, and the latest marriage was to Ralph Levitz. Ralph was the co-founder of Levitz Furniture, which was a chain of furniture stores that he eventually turned into an empire. Okay. Ralph, unfortunately, passed away in March of 1995, so earlier the year that sh uh, she disappeared. Mm -hmm. uh, with his death, Jacqueline did inherit his entire estate, and its worth was estimated between 5 and $15 million. That's so I mean, good chunk for the nineties, yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah. She was rich. Yes, not just like rich. She was rich. Rich. You know, mm -hmm. she had money, and she moved to like this little podunk town in Mississippi. Yeah, where she could probably live in a house for ten thousand. Right. I'm just kidding, but <laughs> no, like you probably could buy really cheap real estate. I actually don't know how small Vicksburg is. It sounds like a small town. I've never heard of it. Yeah. But I also don't know a lot about Mississippi, so if I'm wrong, don't come for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so prior to living in Vicksburg, Jacqueline resided in Palm Beach, Florida. Talk about a freaking change. Right. That, I mean, Palm Beach. <laughs> right. Going from like Palm Beach to Mississippi seems jarring to me. But she was from Louisiana originally. She was born and raised in Louisiana. So I think oh, okay. she liked the South. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course. Yeah. I would too. There's a population of 3,291 people in 2019. Okay, small. I don't, I don't imagine it was bigger than that in 1995. Doubt it. Right. Um, so she moved to Vicksburg's five weeks prior to her disappearance. So shortly after the death of her husband, she moved from Palm Beach to Mississippi to be closer to family. Okay. Her new home in Vicksburg was undergoing extensive remodeling in November. Oh, I lied. I accidentally looked up Vicksburg, Michigan. Oh, okay. Population is 22,000. Okay, so a little bit bigger. It's like a, it's an, it's actually a pretty good sized town. Yeah, Not I'm, huge. No. But it's a medium sized town, I would say. I mean, sort of, yeah. 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 It's also like house spaced out. Are people, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, are people okay. sitting on properties of, like, acres of land? I feel like we did this last time. We too. did. I apologize, people. We're like, mm -hmm. I'm keeping all this in here. You mm -hmm. can listen to me talk. Uh, <laughs> so while her home was being remodeled, she was still living there, which she is better than me. Oh, gosh. I yeah. would never. I wouldn't. Oh, yes. In a house that's being fully renovated from top to bottom? No. Absolutely you. not. No, thank you. So, like, I work from home. Yeah. There's no way I you could work from home and be like, have hear like saws and people hammering things all day. Absolutely not. Yeah, but in the 90s, you would not be able to work from home. I mean, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. But also, she was like an heiress. So it's like, yeah, I don't think she was like going to the office. You know what I mean? No. So 
because of the remodel, there was virtually no furniture in the home whatsoever. Okay. Um, except for there was her mattress mm-hmm. on the floor. Okay. She's a classy lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, a refrigerator and some plastic lawn chairs. I get it. Especially like if this is a house that you just bought and you're remodeling everything from top to like from top to bottom, I wouldn't buy furniture and no. like put it in until it's done. No way. Like I need a refrigerator so I can eat something at night. Right. Or throughout the day, whenever. And then a bed to sleep in, and that's all I need. I would put it, I I don't know about a mattress on the floor. I think I would buy like a bed, but I mean for what? Because what if you had to move it? True. Because they had to renovate that. You're right. Room I or... guess a mattress is easier just to pick up and move it to a different room. Yeah, or... like slide it. Yeah. Fair. Okay. I stand corrected. So <laughs> two days after she was last seen, a family member who was trying to get a hold of her, and it was her, I believe it was her brother-in-law. After not being able to get a hold of her, he decided to drive to her home to see why they had not heard from her. Mm-hmm. When they arrived, Jacqueline's front door was found open. Oh, gosh. He then entered the home and found a gruesome scene. Um, he just kind of like poked his head in, saw like things were not right. Yeah. Called the police. Good for you. You yeah. didn't go contaminate the scene. Right. So during the investigation, they noticed signs of what they called a fierce struggle. They found torn off fingernails scattered on the floor. Oh, that just made me cringe. Yeah. The idea of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. Because we've all had like that like long nail that just kind of like breaks and it's painful. Oh, yeah. You imagine like if you're fighting somebody and it breaks. I'd be like, hold on, please. Like, right. Five minutes. <laughs> you're like biting your nail like trying <laughs> to get the hangnail off. So there was fingernails on the ground. When he uh, when they went to the bedroom, her bedroom carpet was soaked with blood. Oh, and upon further investigation, the police found that the mattress was soaked as well. The intruder, or maybe like an accomplice or somebody, had flipped the mattress in an attempt to conceal the bloodstains, which I think is interesting because it's like you took the time to do that, but then like the blood on the floor was like untouched. So it's like, why? Right. There probably might have been some sort of evidence on the bed and he was trying to hide it. Fair. That's fair. When it was tested, they discovered that the blood was the same type as Jacqueline's. Okay. That's because back then, they didn't have, like, DNA testing like we do. True. And now, and they could only tell the type or Mm. stuff like that. I actually love that you said that because I didn't think of that. Yeah. I just thought it, I thought it was just a weird way that they worded it, but you're right. Yep. Uh, So... In these kind of situations, kind of like the first thing that you go to is, was this a robbery and was this a robbery that went bad, right? right. Like something. Yeah. She was home and she, she wasn't expected to be home. Something of that nature. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, robbery was ruled out. Really? Pretty quickly, actually. Well, because there was nothing in there. Her personal, some like her clothes and jewelry and stuff were all in uh, the house. Got it. So when they started looking around the room, they noticed that several valuable fur coats were left behind in the closet oh okay jewelry was found in the safe mm-hmm. and the safe was untouched like okay. nobody was tr- like try to break into it or anything okay yeah definitely and there was an undisturbed pair of diamond earrings left on the windowsill in the bedroom i mean i definitely would have grabbed that right even if it wasn't robbery <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> even if i just come over to your house and i see diamond rings on the windowsill i'm gonna take them that's a lie. We, that don't, a we lie. don't steal things. We don't steal. Uh, was that what was even more odd? Was next to the earrings, there was a 
glass of water that was left sitting out with just very little water in it. Okay. Friends and family heard about this detail and they all agreed that it was a little odd because she would never like just leave dishes laying around. Like if she was done with something, she immediately placed it in the sink or she would immediately clean that dish. She wasn't known to like, just like leave things laying around the house. And this was in the bedroom. Yeah. I mean, some people take cups of water into the room at night. Yeah. But it's also like the windowsill wasn't near the bed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So the only thing missing from the home was Jacqueline's purse and her makeup bag, which this was kind of funny because I th- I thought here's this like Southern woman who like clearly loves putting like right. effort into how she looks, right? Yeah. Like she loves doing her hair. She has her makeup fully done at all times. Like very Dolly Parton-esque, I think, yeah. as you said before. So she often referred to her makeup bag as her first aid kit. Okay. And it was filled with like hairbrushes, hairspray, like all the makeup she would need to put on like a face, like everything. And mm-hmm. she, I just thought it was funny that she called it her first aid kit. I mean, as you, as a Southern woman would. Right. The higher the hair, the closer to God. <laughs> um, as my hair's flat. Uh, so <laughs> those things were, were missing from the house. And another thing that I thought was odd was that her cream colored Jaguar was p- still parked in the driveway. Yeah. Keys were gone. So oh. they're assuming Probably in her purse. Yeah, it was in her purse and they didn't realize. Yeah. This was concerning to investigators. And this is actually what triggered the FBI to be brought in. Because there were implications that suggested Jacqueline was kidnapped and that she could have been taken across state lines. So FBI got involved pretty quickly. Okay. It's really funny how, like, rich people get, like, all the attention from the authorities. It is not funny at all. I know. That was sarcasm. I know. (laughs) But I'm just calling it out. Right. Yeah. Hmm. So in all investigations, especially where there is like a family fortune involved, the police immediately turn to her loved ones. Of course. Yes. (laughs) Uh, When asked who gained the most from her disappearance, the only person that came to mind was Jacqueline's son. However, he was never named a person of interest in her disappearance. And the reason being was that he was physically thousands of miles away from where these events took place. You can plan. I mean, you can plan. Um, And he actually, he inherited, I think, about $4 million after, uh, four years after her disappearance. So. Which isn't like, I mean, it's a lot of money, but it's also. For the 90s, I feel like that's a pretty, that's a pretty big chunk. Yeah. I don't know. I mean. I'll just take, like, can I just have like 500,000? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not being greedy. <laughs> I just pay off these debts that I have and then like, I don't know, like buy a car. That's all I want. That sounds reasonable. <laughs> that sounds right. So next they interviewed the construction crew that was working uh, on her home. Of course, everyone complied fully and nobody was deemed as being a threat to Jacqueline. Okay. Uh, and they even like were talking about how much they loved Jacqueline like, because she was always there. She may be like a Southern woman, but she was making sure that the work was getting done and the work was getting done right. She would, she was often like known to like wear the hard hat and like inspect everything that they do mm-hmm. from top to bottom to make sure that everything was exactly what, how she wanted it. Yeah. Well, so, and she would like feed them and bring them water and make them coffee. Like they liked Jacqueline. Of course. Jacqueline was a nice lady. It seems like she was like very caring and yes. very giving. Right. So they then brought in the search and started interviewing any locals who even knew who Jacqueline was. 
being somewhat new to the area, not very many people had ever met Jacqueline. Mm -hmm. Uh, Locals did not even know that she was an heiress and they had never even heard of the fortune, uh, the fortune, the furniture empire her late husband had built. So, I mean, no. Yeah. What? Right. What feasible reason would anybody know or want to hurt her or kidnap her? Right. Occasionally, the police will get get a call that reports a body floating in the Mississippi River. Right. And the Mississippi River was extremely close to her home. Like you can like from her bedroom window, you can see the Mississippi River. Oh, okay, Yeah. So it was right there. However, I didn't know this. So the Mississippi River is actually too deep and too wide. They can't drag. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. I thought that would I thought you could do it with any size body of water, but I guess not. Like you wouldn't be able to do it to the ocean. No. <laughs> That's crazy. Right. I didn't know that. So I thought that was interesting. But so Detective Brown, the lead investigator for this case in Vicksburg, estimates that a body dumped into the river near Vicksburg has about a fifty percent chance of making it to the Gulf of Mexico without washing ashore. That's a high probability. That is a very high probability. Right. And it, and part of the reason he said is because the currents in that area are so strong that they just push. Yeah. There's a good chance if, like, a body gets dumped in the Mississippi River, especially around that area, that it's, it's never going to wash ashore. Yeah. And then it's going to be lost to the Gulf. To the ocean. <laughs> the Gulf of Mexico. Of Mexico. People started developing their own theories mm-hmm. at this point, as I think, I think this happens a lot, especially with cases where there are no answers. Right. I think um, imaginations go Run a little. Wild. Yeah. So Jacqueline's lawyer hypothesized that it was all an elaborate botched kidnapping. Locals caught one of this and they say if that's the case, then it could not have been someone in their community. They believe that whatever happened to her followed, uh, followed her from her past. And that the idea of a local harming Jacqueline is just unfathomable. I mean, that is pretty likely, especially when no one knew who she was or what she had inherited, Mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. And that's what a lot of them were saying. Like, she just moved to town. She bought a house. She had a nice car. But, like, that's not anything out of the normal. Like, anybody can have a nice car. Right. (laughs) That's so crazy. Right. So Jacqueline's personal friend and psychic goes by the name Norcross received a vision that there were two killers involved in her disappearance. She told the national examiner, which is Mm -hmm. not the most credible source of information ever that the men assaulted and killed Jacqueline by order of a former business associate. I mean, did she, and he probably didn't look into this, but did she like if she passed away, would it the was the furniture store still up and running? I believe so. And so her portion would go to her son, right? Yeah. yeah. But the son also, um, I believe I didn't really look into it a lot, but I believe he had some health problems. Oh, okay. Around that time. So I don't know if like really like murder and like trying to take over like the family empire was like really in the forefront of his mind. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you never know. So she was even able to uh, provide a sketch of one of the killers to detectives. Really? Yeah. And then the body she concluded was then tossed into the Mississippi River. Okay. So in a bizarre twist. Ooh. 
I like those words. Nora Cross actually filed a federal suit that suggested Levitz's family was involved in her death. She maintains that her lawyer concocted the allegations in the suit, which was thrown out as baseless. Which I think, honestly, that's the right thing. Like they did the right thing. Because like psychics are not like a credible source source of information unless you have like definitive hard proof mm-hmm. that this happened it's hearsay right i mean very that's very true so she would have to come in with like guns blazing in a case like that to mm-hmm. like really make a dent or to like really get anybody to like listen to what she's saying yeah because how many psychics get involved with these kind of cases and we'll talk about a little bit of that later okay. because they are still getting calls to this day. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> Levitz's sister, she was really focused on the glass of water on the windowsill. Mm-hmm. She she said that her sister, Jacqueline, made a habit of sitting by that window in the afternoons and staring at the river. I get it. Probably beautiful. Right. So the sister th- thinks that this indicates that she was interrupted during that period of afternoon relaxation that she does. Okay. If she was sitting there. And that to me makes sense. If she like, let's just say it happened on that Monday or whatever day it was, Friday, the 18th. When she was at the store, she came home, she had her wallpaper, she probably dropped it off, went upstairs to her bedroom, or she got a glass of water, went upstairs to her bedroom, took her earrings off, put them on the windowsill, was sitting there, watching the river. Decompressing from shopping. Right. Stressful day. I get it. You had to pick out the pattern of wallpaper. For the house. That is stressful. That's a big decision. It is a big decision. I'm not being sarcastic, by the no. way. Like, that yeah. really is, like, a stressful situation. That is very stressful. Whether it's wallpaper or paint. Yeah. I get stressed out. Yeah. Because I'm like, I have to look at this forever. <laughs> you know, not forever, but you know what I mean. So, <clears throat> she suggested that someone locally saw her coming from Walmart or saw her in the neighborhood and just followed her home. It would be hard not to notice her. She was very beautiful and very striking. Mm-hmm. According to her sister, Jacqueline was known as the type of person that would walk into a room and people would turn their heads, which I get. Hair is to the gods. Face fully beat. She's probably She probably wears, like, very nice gowns. Right. Like, I get it. I mean, yeah, I would turn my head and be like, who is this lady? Right? Absolutely. So she also suggests that her sister's romantic view of her new home might have made her an easy target. She, she said that... Being that they grew up in the South, as a child, uh, nobody ever locked their doors. Oh, yeah, that's true. And she said, and she just kind of rounded out by saying, people are evil no matter where you go in the world. There are evil people there. Even in small towns. Right. The state crime lab is now processing evidence that they collected in Levitz's home using techniques that they did, that did not exist when she disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, Detective Pace and Brown refuse to discuss the specific evidence that they're examining. Yeah. Uh, But the FBI began looking at the case anew and assigned new people to the case. So I think they may have found something. Yeah, sounds like it. Um, And they actually began re-interviewing people that that were close to Jacqueline. So... It sounds to me like we actually might have some closure in the near future with this case. Knock on wood. I really actually hope. Because we want one. I would totally do an update episode. Yes. I would um, love to do update episodes. I would love it too. 
like these cases actually got solved. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, probably nothing to do with, well, not probably, absolutely nothing to do with us, but it's just cool that like something that we researched and something that we looked into and we put all this time and effort into. Right. Like we actually have resolve finally. Yeah. That's cool. So Detective Brown or Lieutenant Brown, sorry, he still gets random calls with tips on her whereabouts and more, well, all the time. Usually they're from psychics. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they'll tell him things like she's in a large body of water or near a large body of water. To which he replies, yeah. <laughs> like, thank you. Okay. Yeah. And he, want, I want to end this with just like what he compared that to. So like when you call somebody in a, that's doing an investigation and you, you just tell them something really vague like that, mm-hmm. he said, think of it as if someone who died in Arizona and they went missing and it was an unsolved case or whatever. And somebody just called and they just said, they're in the Grand Canyon. <laughs> you can't do anything with that. No. you. If can't. you just tell me they're in a large body of water, you we can't do anything about that. It's very true. You can't. I mean, we're okay. Right. Which one? There's a lot. Right. So that is the story of Jacqueline Lovitz, the heiress from Vicksburg, Mississippi, that went missing and is still missing to this day. She was legally pronounced dead in 2000. Mm-hmm. By a um, a judge in Florida. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's been a while. Yeah. So I think it's very likely she is no longer with us. Yeah. I mean, after 30 years as well, like mm-hmm. she was already 62. Right. And the the evidence, I think they started reprocessing that kind of stuff back in like 2016, 2018. So, I mean, maybe we'll hear something in the next few years about them actually finding something. Yeah. But I hope so. It sounds like they kind of want to keep their cards close to their chest and they don't really want to reveal anything. Which is understandable. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unsolved America. Head on over to Facebook and Instagram and follow us at Unsolved America MVP. And be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform. If you need to contact us, please email unsolvedamericamvp at gmail.com and we'll talk to you next week. This has been an MVP podcast, My Village Productions.